I did the guy in the bear suit uh, who's in this like tourist street. And I basically, he was in this, you know, this Uzbek guy. And so I basically was like, look, can I, you know, do your job for the day? You'll, you'll get all the, the money still. I just want to, can I just like basically do your work? And he was like, yeah, sure. If you want to. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be at the bar while you're in the bear suit. They're like, all right, yeah, cool. exactly. This is the Final Goal Board of The Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, Episode 277. Despite being the world's 13th biggest country and having a land area of over 800,000 square miles, Greenland has no official roads. The only traffic jams you'll come across? Dog sleds. I am fascinated by today's guest, Tim Urban, for a variety of reasons, and he's done so many neat things on his site, Wait But Why, a lot of which we're going to talk about in today's episode. But one of the coolest things he's ever done, in my opinion, is his Odd Things in Odd Places trip, where he allowed his readers to pick the countries that they wanted him to go to. And that led to a trip that started in Russia, then went to Japan, Nigeria, Iraq, and ended up in Greenland. Now, I have never been fortunate enough to bump around the world to so many disparate countries like Tim just did. And to be honest, I'm a little jealous that he did get to do it. But you better believe that if I ever do a trip like that, I'm just going to be bringing on a carry-on backpack, and that will be my Tortuga Outbreaker backpack. So if you're looking for the perfect travel carry-on size backpack, one that can withstand even the craziest trips like Tim went on, Go on over to tortugabackpacks.com and don't forget to use the promo code EPOP, that's E-P-O-P, all capital letters, because that'll get you 10% off your entire order. Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and joining me today is someone who got to hang out with Elon Musk, can compare Alexander the Great to Mark Zuckerberg and make it work, and whose website is, to this day, my favorite place on the internet and somewhere that... I guarantee if you stop this podcast right now and you go to it, you'll be sucked into this vortex and you probably won't emerge for seven hours. Tim Urban of WaitButWhy.com. Tim, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me on. That was that was a very creative intro. Hey, we like to keep it creative around here. And, and I'm going <laughs> to tell everyone a little bit of the backstory because it's, it's pretty funny story how we ended up actually connecting here on the podcast. Way back in mid-2015, I asked my community, hey, who do you want to me to have on the podcast. We've been doing it for a year. I was running out of ideas. I'm like, why don't I actually ask him one? Uh, someone said, hey, uh, Tim Urban from Wait But Why. And I remember thinking, why do I know that name? Why do I know that site? And immediately when I went to your site and saw the king up at the top, I thought, this is the site that I always click on on Facebook. <laughs> you know, his posts are always on Facebook, always being shared. It's like, this is an awesome site. I love this site. So, you know, like everything, it took me like six months to actually reach out then. I reached out. I saw it on my list December 11th, 2015. And uh, 
you know, you wanted to come on. We've traded emails back and forth, but usually that's how it happens with two people who are traveling and doing stuff. I think we finally both got smart enough to realize we needed to hand it off to someone more organized than either of us. And uh, voila, 15 months later, here we are. Yeah, very. Um, it's uh, this is this is my this is probably a record, I think, um, <laughs> for on uh, on my end. And uh, and uh, I'm glad we persisted. I, I will say though it, it's it's not your fault at all. I, there were certainly times when Alicia, your uh, the girl who works with you, who reached out to me and it was like, "Oh, Trav's in the Republic of Georgia in the mountains and probably won't have good internet." So, oh yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's it's a two way street there. But right. super happy uh, to get you on. We're going to dive into travel, but first I wanted to kind of dig into the site. Wait, but why a little bit? Um, I think it's pretty fair to say you're a curious person, right? Um, yes, very, very much so. <laughs> so, and, and I think that that lends itself to travel in general. But the, the first question I had for you is, has that always been the case? Or do you find that the more that you explore, the more that you write about stuff, the more curious you get? Um, I think, um, I think my, my level of curiosity has always been, um, super high, but I think, I think it's been high in some areas. And then I think, when you start writing, you start learning. I think what all, the only thing that happens is there, there's even more areas when you start being, you start being curious about things you didn't even realize were interesting before. Um, but the, the, you know, the, since I was extremely young, just curiosity has been kind of a, a core trait of mine. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a good point talking about things that you don't even know existed. Like all of a sudden someone mentioned something, um, you know, around my friends and especially my wife kind of always laugh at me because I get super obsessed with stuff right off the bat. Case in point, I went skiing in Vail. Uh, first time I had skied in like 15 years and now it's like, oh, I want to buy a ski house. How can I do it? You know, it's just like yeah. full on hundred percent. The moments I like something, I go at it. Yes, of course. Me too, for sure. Yeah, even just scrolling through like your last 30 posts, which I guess at this point is probably a year and a half or two years worth of posts. But here's oh, yeah. a sampling of, uh, of some of the titles that I picked out. Um, Why Cryonics Makes Sense, From Muhammad to ISIS, Iraq's Full Story, The AI Revolution, The Road to Superintelligence, 10 Types of Odd Friendships You're Probably a Part of, The Teen Years, Nine Cringe-Inducing Realizations, Everything You Don't Know About Tipping, and What Could You Buy with $241 Trillion? So we're running the gamut here of, of, you know, stuff somewhat serious to fun, touch on all types of topics. You know, everything is super clickable, super interesting when I actually start reading it. How do you decide, as a curious person and as someone who, yeah, gets obsessed with stuff, same as me, how do you decide what to even write about? Yeah, it's it's not it's not easy. Um, especially you know, it's I think you know if you have kind of a, a niche as a, a on a blog, I think it makes your life a little easier in that, <laughs> in that way. But um, I, for for me, I just I just kind of like anytime anything's interesting that I also think would be a uh, a good blog post. So that's not everything, you know. A good blog post, um, you know, requires a few things that you know not every topic has. So. You know, anytime it fits both of those, and it's really interesting to me because I know if I write about something, I'm gonna I'm gonna learn about it for at least a week. So I I want to be curious about it, and then I want to you know, of course, I want it to end up being something that fits well with with blogging. So once something fits those, I will write it down on a list, and that list is like pages and pages and pages now. Um, so I've been collecting it for years. So for me, it's more um. When it's time to do a new topic, I, I think about I have to just think about my mood, and it's often what I'm like the least sick of. So if I just wrote about history, I want nothing to do with anything like that. If I just wrote about something with numbers, 
I don't want anything like that. If I just wrote something that that's like, you know, funny, I, I don't want to deal with funny next time. So um, for me, it's just often that's why they that, that's why the topic zigzag and switch around so psychotically, because that that's me being sick of the thing a lot and then going to a whole different place. Do most of the topics that you decide to write about, do you have any prior knowledge or some of them? Listen, someone told me about this thing at a party or, or you know, mentioned it, and I don't have any idea what they're talking about, but now I'm super curious about it. I would say it could be both, but m- more often the second. I mean, more more often the topics that I um, that I start with are um, are complete mysteries to me, and that's part of again. My, it's a little like reminds me of traveling to a new place. It's that same excitement that you know if I don't know about it, but I know. It's interesting. Um, it, uh, it, it's, you know, traveling to somewhere, um, new has just an extra level of kind of a childlike excitement. And, and the same thing I think goes for a totally new topic. Uh, and I, it's like, wow, I'll know so much about this topic if I just do this. And that, that's always really exciting. So that's often the case. Plus I, I find that sometimes it's a weird, for at least my purposes, it's a weird advantage to not have prior knowledge because, um, I'm usually writing for people that don't have prior knowledge either. Um, and the way, the best way to explain something in a way that people who don't have prior knowledge understand is to, you have to know what it's like to not have prior knowledge. You have to know what it's like to be in the layman's uh, level. And so if I were just, if I was just there a week ago, I'm a perfect person to do that. Cause I know exactly what was confusing. I know exactly all the things they don't know. And I think sometimes when you're an expert, actually it's, it's hard to remember what it was like to not know. And, and it's hard to remember exactly what parts of it were curious, you know, were interesting seeming and what parts were actually boring seeming, but they are interesting. You've learned now. And so you can kind of talk about that with the reader. So the reader gets that you, you, you get where they are. So I don't know that that's how I think about it a little bit. I think that's one of the most important things, uh, when I talk to anyone, whether they're doing something for a business and they're just starting out or whether it's a blog post or, or any type or even traveling, I say, you know, make sure you're writing stuff down as you go along. Because the one thing you can't get back is that naivety, that ignorance. I mean, because once you learn it, you can try to put yourself back in those shoes, but it's very, very difficult to do. For sure. You know, so I sometimes I even write down, you know, my thoughts beforehand and what, what I think now. And then I'll let you bring those forward in the post. I'll like, you know, something like artificial intelligence, for example, such a, um, when you learn about it, you, you, it's like you're in disbelief about, um, about it, it just seems too crazy to be true. It seems like it's naive to believe this because it's just too strange. And then, you know, you read enough and you're like, well, actually this is, this is really, this all stuff is all really possible. Um, and so I'll, I'll like write in the post in the middle of it, I'll say something and then I'll like say, I know right now you're thinking like, nah, no way. You know, yeah, you know, you, you, this sounds, this is just a part of you cannot believe this. And I can say that because I know that because that's how I felt seven days ago, you know, so uh, that that's always, I think, yeah, really helpful. You get a little meta within the post of saying like, hey, I, I can put myself in these shoes because yes. I, I am, I was in those shoes. Yeah, yeah. Rather than me being kind of like um, a detached like journalist that's behind the scenes, like it's like, no, like I'm like basically feel like I'm, I act like I'm talking to friends because that's how I feel when I'm doing it. And, and I think that's just the tone of, of my writing. You know, I think other people wouldn't want to do it that way, but that, 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 that's how I do it. Yeah. 
Do you ever feel overwhelmed when you start something? Let's say you're going to be writing a post on artificial intelligence, which I think you did two or three, right? Like it was a series of them. But when you first start, I mean, all right, here's this huge topic that admittedly, you know, very little, if anything about, do you ever get the sense that uh, how am I even going to write about this because it's such a big topic? Like, where do I even start? Yeah, constantly. Um, <laughs> Good, because that's what I, I feel that way. So I was hoping you at least felt that way too. Constantly overwhelmed. Um, and and sometimes, you know, I get into, yeah, you go into like full despair about how I'm like, I don't um, know how to do this. Like, I don't know why I have this job. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do this for this topic. Um, the expert, because the problem is I write maybe for the layman, but there's always some experts that are going to read it. And there's a comment section. And if I explain it wrong or badly, they're going to go down there and say that and the whole make, make the whole thing look really bad and not like, so, um, it, you can get very, uh, daunted and, but you know, I just, I don't know. It's like, um, it's like a crossword puzzle that seems impossible and then you just keep kind of working on it and then some, it somehow just like it, it comes together. It's a little like that. Like I feel like if you just work on it long enough, it comes together, especially if the, the nice, you know, the, the relief, the, the, the burden that's not on me is to have to act like an expert. So I can just say, you know, like I, this part I didn't understand. So I can say that. That's okay. And if you can say that, then like, you know, you're never going to get in too much trouble. So Right. 95% of people are going to give you some slack. And the 5% who don't, again, you've kind of qualified yourself as saying, I didn't know anything when I started. So I'm explaining it to the people who also don't know anything. Exactly. Do you have any type of system? Because I know as someone who's also very scattered, and and writes about a lot of things and always is curious about a lot of things. It's act the hardest part is organization. Obviously, it's, it's taken us two years here. And also like coming up with a system for research. Is there something that you follow? Like, all right, this worked for the other post, so I can kind of emulate this with a with a different subject matter. Or is it I'm just gonna type in artificial intelligence into Google, open up like the seven posts that come up first and just start reading through them? Yeah, it's there's a similar general process, um, uh, in that you know it's because you're just trying to learn, you know. But uh, it, you know everything, you know every yeah every every topic's a little different. But like, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll usually just I'll open Chrome and I'll start there. You know, I'll just Google like you said, Google. I'll, I'll do like seven different Google searches. So I'll do like it'll bring up slightly different things. I'll say like um, artificial intelligence. That's one. Another one is what is artificial intelligence. One what is um, uh, artificial intelligence explainer. One is, um, uh, artificial intelligence, um, misconceptions or myths, um, uh, incredible things about artificial intelligence, you know, the future of artificial intelligence. So I'll do that. Right. And some of those are a little redundant, but, and then I'll just go into each one of those Google searches and I'll just like press the command key, just go click, 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 click. And I'll open those new tabs and then end up with, you know, 50 or 40 or 50 tabs. I just start there. And I'll just, and so a lot of Wikipedia at the beginning and other things, just, just getting myself. Plus, you know, especially when you're reading, you know, 10 amazing things about AI, like you don't know at the beginning if that, if that article is by kind of a hack who's not really saying things accurately, or that's actually by a pro who's doing really well. But by, by the end, you've read enough that you start to suss out. Like you, if you read enough stuff, you, you get it, you, you get the general topic and you've heard the things that are true. You've heard them many, many times. And the things that are kind of like suspect, you both heard only a few times, but you've also heard a lot of people talk about those suspect things as not true. And you just start to get it. And, and as I used to do it, you know, I would take it and 
you know, dump information into a document as I'm reading and thinking. And then, and then you can go from there. And then, and then sometimes in the case of AI, I read three books, but I kind of waited till I figured out what, what, what the right books were to read and whether I even needed to do that. And in this case I did. And, you know, you know, and then, and then you can start to outline that and start to actually organize that process, which is, which is a whole other thing. And that, that is different for every post that, that, that process for sure, that outline process. Yeah. And I think that I, I do that with travel quite a bit. If I'm going to a place, I don't know. I let my brain kind of just absorb it all without trying to figure out too much at first, you know, Hey, I'm going to read the wiki travel page and then probably, you know, lonely planets page. If they have it about it, blah, blah, blah. You absorb enough. You start to see the same places come up or the same things mentioned to eat. But I try not to, you know, get too intense on focusing on that because you absorb it all and then come back and, all right, let me parse out the specifics. Let me figure out what is important. That's come up three times. All right, maybe I should now research this specific topic. Seems similar thing when you're, when you're working on your post. Totally. Exactly. Do you ever write multiple posts at the same time? Like, are you working on something um, you know, one post, maybe it be artificial intelligence while, uh, concurrently you're working on another post or do you try to segment it out? So it's like, this is what I'm focusing on. Almost like an actor has a, has a role, right? All right. I'm in this right now. I'm super deep diving on it so I can get it out and then I'll move on to the next thing. Yeah, that's definitely what I do. Uh, much more like that. And I, um, I'm just in that world. That's my whole world when I'm doing it and everything I'm thinking about is the lens of that topic. Everything I read, I'm thinking about how can this apply to that topic. Everything, every conversation, I bring it up a lot in conversation just because talking about it, either explaining to people who don't get it is helpful to me to, uh, to, to clarify my own, the own structure in my head, um, or talking to people who do know about it. It's incredibly interesting because you bounce off, you bounce your initial ideas off you, and you learn stuff from them and they'll recommend resources to you or books to you or whatever. So, um, I definitely do that. Now, more recently, I've, 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 uh, I've, done too much i think of uh scattering around where i have while doing a topic another topic comes up that i know i want to do and i'll dive in for a few hours and then i'll end up you know starting to outline that one and then now right now i have probably seven topics that are kind of like on the side burner which is not great i don't like that process but i, I kind of that's just what's happened recently um so you know it's it's um it's exciting because I'm like you know I'm like so dying to do all of those topics but it's just not you know if you want to move and get a topic out it's not yet you need to focus. Well, as a yeah, as a super curious person, it's very hard as much as you want to deep dive onto a topic, it's very hard to push everything off to the side and not touch it, right? Because naturally, yeah. you kind of get sick. Maybe you're doing a ton on a topic and it's great at first and still fun, but then you get a little sick of it. Boom, something else pops up and you're like, I got to learn everything about that yeah. right away. Also, grass is always greener with this kind of thing. So no matter what topic I'm doing, the other topic seems like the fun, like much less icky one. So if I'm doing like a really heavy research topic and I have all these sources and then I just want to write something about like my thoughts on, I don't know, on like some kind of psychology aspect and relationships on procrastination or whatever. I'm like, oh, imagine if I didn't know resources, I mean, no, no um, research. I can just kind of like sit back and think and write and do something kind of like funny and light. And, and then if I'm doing that, and now I'm in that world and I'm sitting there being like, I'm not funny. I'm not like clever. I don't I like, and, I, and I'm in this thing. I'm like, I want to think of something like original here. And like, what do I even think about this? And how do I, you know, I, I, I and I'm like, Oh, imagine what if I could just be researching and talking about what other people have said? I don't have to think about, you know, and it seems so much more fun. I'm like, I can just learn and research and then like explain something. I don't have to like, you know, it, it, it seems so much easier. Suddenly it's amazing how that works. So I, I, even more the reason why I'm always like, you know, 
attracted to other topics in the meantime. Well, it's two very disparate parts of your brain, right? I mean, you have that funny light. All right, I'm just going to write down my thoughts. It's going to be, you know, in our, in your head quick. But then when you try to put them down, it always takes forever to write them out. But you have that funny light. This is going to be interesting, humorous. And then you have the research aspect where you're actually trying to not solve, but explain a very in-depth topic. And so you're working both of them at the same time. And I find that, you know, if I'm trying to do an in-depth topic and I got that funny light one lingering here, sometimes it works in a good way, right? Because it, it then finds its way into this post a little bit and it's a little more humorous and better than being dry. But sometimes it just doesn't work at all. No, no, you totally. It's definitely, it's definitely um, the, the mix, you know, mixing different tones together, I think, you know, in the right circumstance can be hugely beneficial. And I think sometimes it's, it, you just do that because you're sick of the, the, the kind of the general tone you're in. And then I think that can serve you for sure. I think, um, but these are the problems of people who spend you know, a long time on one project. Now other people, they, 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 have, they start a post in the afternoon and they finish it before they leave that day, you know, and it's just a different, different kind of nature of a thing. And, and, and it's much easier to just kind of like focus on one idea and do that. I think it's when you're for over spans of days working on the same thing um, that you uh, you kind of run into some of these issues. And I think, this, again, that can that can hurt the post, but it also can, like you, like you just said, it can kind of like it can serve the post in its own way and make it like a little more of a unique entity. Do you set timelines for your posts? <laughs> I used to. Um, I, I used to give myself a, a once a week deadline, and I that was the expectation of readers. And, and I, you know, the, the credit to that method is I did a lot of posts. You know, I, I, I would pull a lot of all nighters and I would like have this panicky deadline, but it got a lot of stuff out, um, a lot of different topics, which is really fun. On the other hand, a lot of times I would find myself frustrated because I'm like, oh, I would love to read two books, three books about this and just back up and like think about this and do some interviews and really get it. And I just, I couldn't, there was no op- opportunity to do that. And I think some of the best posts I've done have been the ones where I have not had a deadline and I've just been able to dig deep in. So I think it's a trade off because on the other hand, I, if I don't have a deadline, we'll get into perfectionist mode. And now there's nothing I won't read or research. If someone recommends a book, I'm going to read. And that's not really great either because you can take a year to do a post. So um, I think there's some balance that I'm kind of yet to be able to strike. Uh, when you strike it, please come back on and let us all know because that that has to be the hardest part of allowing yourself the space and time to be creative and think and and get it finished in the right way while not allowing yourself so much time that you just start filling it up with the same nonsense that you already know and or you know editing the same sentence five times and thinking no one else is even going to read this the way that I'm reading it anyway. Right. And your perfectionism just just takes the wheel. And it's not a good person to take the wheel. Um, he's, you know, that that's a force that, that 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 encourages you to be thorough and really, really dig in. That's great, and and, and wants excellence. That's great. What's not great is just endless. Uh, well, this guy, I should I should also do this. I've done so much. Like I should I should really know about this part of it as well as I know about the rest of it. Let me read more about that. Oh, like you know, I I could add a whole section on this. It's just it's 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 a trap too. So I think it's, uh, yeah. Is there That's anyone, big. is there anyone that holds you accountable in any way? Like I, I know that you have another partner in wait, but why who's a little more behind the scenes, but does that help? Or, or is that like more of a hindrance where he's like, I'm not getting involved in this. I'm going to let Tim do Tim. He can do it. I'm not getting involved. Yeah. I think, 
um, I'm most held accountable by readers um, because, um, you know, the, the longer I go, the more emails and comments I will get about like, what the hell? Um, and just like knowing that there's readers who, you know, knowing that, um, yeah, there's people checking the site and being like disappointed um, and getting frustrated eventually and like wondering. And these are people that like, I'm so happy, check this site. I'm so happy they like this site. The last thing I want to do is, you know, make them very frustrated or give up on the site. So I, that becomes this, uh, this, this, this pressure cooker for me. So that, that, that's probably the thing that helps them most. And then the second thing is just me. I, I eventually get sick of a topic and I'm dying to do other topics. I just want to, you know, I just want to get it out. So that, that, that helps a little, but again, if it's just left up to me, I might just spend my whole life on one topic and then die. And then I never even posted one thing. So I need, I need that external pressure. So you guys heard it here. When you want a new topic or a new post on Wait But Why, email angry emails. Don't, they don't have to be angry. Just email Tim. Barrage him with emails. I'm just they kidding. Ones help, the, 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 the ones that are the most um, are the ones that are like from a really nice person who clearly really likes the site, clearly didn't even want to have to email, clearly like is trying to be nice. But like you can see that one. I'm just like, oh, my God, I'm the worst. And it, yeah, it's, it's, it's like they're not angry, but disappointed. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm so sorry, Tim. I didn't want to email you, but it's been two months. And every day at work at 9 a.m., I check to see if there's a new post and it's not there. And then that that's the one that pushes you over the edge, right? Yep, exactly. I, obviously, I, I think I know the answer to this question, but have there ever been pieces that you've started writing or, or maybe even that you finished, but you never published um, for one reason or another? Um, Not too many. There's been maybe four or five of them overall, you know, very few because a, there's the perfectionism concept where, you know, the sunk costs, perfectionism doesn't like sunk costs at all. It's a really unsatisfying concept. So once I started working on it to stop and I'm like a hundred, sometimes I'll morph it, you know, I'll, I'll change it, the topic up a little bit. Um, but once I've researched something and spent a lot of time on it, I, I find it very unsatisfying to now not do anything with it. So I will usually do something with it. Um, but now within a topic, I'll often do a whole swath of research that I then don't end up using because I'm just like, this ended up not fitting. And that, that's not great either, satisfyingly, but I can handle it. But um, a full topic, I don't know. I feel like once I dig in, I usually end up posting something on it. Have there been a few favorites? I know this is like asking a parent to pick their favorite children, right? But have there, I mean, you've written, I, I, I didn't go back and count all the long form posts, but there has to be probably 60, 70, 80 at least. Yeah. Um, do you have a few favorites from there? Either, you know, for, for a variety of reasons, either they got the most traction or the most reaction, or you felt the best after finishing it because it was kind of like this ma um, magnus opus or magnum opus, whatever, whichever yeah. word that is. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I like, uh, there's, there's, um, some posts that are just, I had the most fun doing them because it's just, I'm a nerd in that exact way. You know, like, um, I really liked, like you mentioned the post about $241 trillion. Like that's kind of a random post. It's definitely not like, uh, like one of the most popular or anything, but like for me, it's just like very fun. Like, Oh, how much gold would that be? How much, how big a diamond would that be? You know, like I just like that. So I, I have fun. I did another one where I like, when I was like, you know, if you have two parents and four grandparents and eight great grandparents and, you know, what happens when you go 10, 15, 20 generations back? Like it gets huge. Like what happens? How does that work? And I made these huge family trees and like 
that to me, those are really fun to do. I'm like, that's the kind of thing I usually procrastinate on doing is I just like figure something like that out when I'm like, should be doing something else. So it's fun to do those. Um, as far as like mag magnum opus, um, type type situation, um, um, the, you know, it's for me, the, the, I did four, a four part series on Elon Musk that was really satisfying because there was just, it's such there, he's doing such important things in the world. Um, but they're really hard to fully understand. But once you do that, it's so simple and elegant and like in, in how much it makes sense and how important it is and how fascinating and like amazing the topics are. And yet people don't know about them. So that's like such a great topic to do because I know people are going to like it cause I'm liking it myself. And, um, and, and I know that part of the frustration on his end with his, you know, and, and, and his, his people and what they get frustrated about is, you know, people not fully understanding the situation and misinterpreting it and, or, 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 you know, um, and to be able to kind of like have the, the leeway with the, um, with the, you know, having your own site to be able to dig in for months and, and get really into it. That was just very satisfying to kind of like tell the full story. And so, yeah, I, I like doing those. Um, but, um, and, and in a way, it's pretty neat because you're also doing him a service, right? So it, it's, it's all right, people aren't understanding exactly what you're trying to do because it to them it seems really daunting. And it, and it is daunting. But here, you've been able to dig in. Here's four posts that explain it fairly well, as you said, in layman's terms, so that you're kind of helping him in a way and doing a service of saying like, hey, here's a place that someone could be pointed to to understand your concepts better. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, especially because I really, really, really believe in what he's doing. Like, I think that he's just right on with the the motive motivation, with the particular types of projects, with the execution and how amazing, you know, it's going, um, that it's like, it's so satisfying and I can help that cause. And I think the main way that I think, um, it can really help is if it encourages young people to kind of like go work at those companies, um, people who are really smart and have a lot to give and they could have gone anywhere. And now they're going there like that. That is like, um, that's great. And also I think if, if the staff of those companies reads it and it makes them a little bit more like excited to be at work, like that's awesome. That really is. Um, I love that because I really want those companies to succeed. So, um, yeah. And it's like, you know, it never hurts having like him be, pleased with you. Like, I'm like, Oh, that's not, not an easy person to please. So I'm like super happy that he liked it. Um, cause that was stressful. So, you know, it's, it's for a lot of reasons, those were really right, like a satisfying and stressful at the time, but satisfying to do. What are some of the other perks that, that have come up just from you writing on weight, but why that you probably never imagined when you first started, one of them it kind of teased it out. The top was getting to meet Elon Musk. Uh, you could tell that story quickly as well. Are there other things that came up that you just thought outside of having hundreds of thousands of readers and stuff, which is the main goal, but are there other things that have come up that you just thought, man, I can't believe because of my site, my blog that I'm able to do this or I'm in this position. Yeah, there's been, there's been a few things that are um, just like, I, I would have like dreamt about before and that like, you can't believe are happening. So like one of them is, you know, yeah, stuff with Elon. Another one is like, um, just when you're doing a topic and uh, people who work in that start to think that like, if you write about it and like include their stuff about what they're doing, it can help them that then suddenly you, you, you know, people want to, you know, you, you like, for example, I'm writing about virtual reality 
Um, haven't done that post yet, but I'm, I'm going to. Um, and because, you know, a lot of the people in the VR world have read, for example, my AI posts or the Elon posts, they say, oh, you know, they're excited that I'm going to do it about VR and they think it could help. And they kind of, you know, often in this case, unlike, you know, those other topics, there's real brands involved. It's a, you know, there's a, it's a you know, a, a market and there's, there's companies that want it. So then suddenly, like, you find myself with both a Vive and an Oculus in my apartment for free that, like, weren't supposed to be here otherwise. Yeah. Like, Where these get, come from? They show yeah, up on your doorstep, the right? Coolest VR equipment. And it comes before it's available to the public. And I'm like, this is so awesome. Like, my friends are like, how the hell did you get this stuff in your apartment? Um, and then, like, you get, you know, like, you get invited to go to, like, the Facebook um, Oculus conference. Um you know, and, and, and they give you a media pass. And like, these are things that like, you know, I'm like, as a random blogger, like I'm not, I'm supposed to, not supposed to get this, you know, be able to do that. But when you have a media pass, you go into the back and you can like sample all the stuff. So there's some things like that, that I'm just like, this is incredible. Like I can't believe that, you know, and then, and then other times it's just getting to meet someone who, you know, you, you look up to or, you know, who, who either reads the blog or who you're interviewing for it. And you just have more access to people that, um, that are really amazing. Um, and so that's always like, uh, you know, extremely exciting. And, um, so I would say, you know, th those are some examples of, of, uh, of, um, you know, and, and that's sometimes, you know, you speak at different places and like, I, I know as, as, as you well know, like you get to travel to different places for work, which is always like, I always I'm so jealous of anyone who I'm like, can't believe you're traveling. And it's like, you're, it's, you're supposed to be doing that for work. That's so luxurious and awesome. Like, I can't believe that, like that, you know? Um, you know, so, and, and that can be speaking or, you know, I, I sometimes have imposed that on myself, um, by like intentionally traveling, traveling somewhere in order to write about it. Um, and I'm like, yeah, I suppose I'm working. That's why I'm doing it. It's like, it's crazy, but it's true. So yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of awesome things I'm very, very uh, grateful for, for sure. Yeah. And I want to get, and we'll get into that in just a moment. The, the tra the traveling for quote unquote work when it really is not self-inflicted, but self-appointed work, we should say the, the last question to kind of wrap up the wait, but why and what you're doing is you mentioned having a VR post and that's been sitting on the shelf. Is there anything else that's been sitting on your shelf, you know, in that big document of topics that you have that's forever long that you've wanted to do, but for whatever reason just hasn't happen yet like is there one or two topics that you every time you look at that you're like i can't wait to do that one but it just hasn't come to fruition oh my god so many let me pull up my little document here <laughs> yeah i i guess picking a few is the hard part right not yeah. not if there are some well you know, i'll tell you the worst thing the worst thing in that two examples is when you have an idea and you just like oh, i'll do that at some point and then someone else does it and it like blows up. And so now like you seem like you're copying them if you do the idea that you were excited about. So one of them is I have a, uh, I have this habit of re replying to s like scam emails and then messing with the people. It's like really fun, right? And I have, and I have some like, you know, dialogues of me doing that. And I was going to some point post that and like tell readers to go and do that and then come back with it, whatever. And now there's this great Ted talk. Uh, by James Beach, who uh, did does this, and he does it like even funnier than I do, so it's especially annoying. And I'm like, oh, this is like great, like that topic's thrown away. I might do it anyway, and just be like, well, whatever, I'm doing this also. And uh, you know, his thing is also good. So I don't know. That's that's just like ah, you know. And then another one is um, I always wanted this one is fine because it's like it was just one post. It was I was going to do this one post on um, explaining all the organs in the body. 
And each organ was, I was going to make them, I was going to draw them with like a little face and kind of like personify them. Now I thought one of my favorite Instagrams is the awkward Yeti. Um, and I follow that and he started doing like going from just no, you know, normal cartoons to like really doing these organs and personifying them. And it's so good. I'm like, ah, oh, he's already like doing it well. Like what's the point now? And I'm just like, so that that's really annoying. Um, is that you just wish you had like gotten it out first uh, so that you can like now enjoy this thing and be like, and I already did mine now. Yeah. And then the second thing is, um, uh, yeah, and, and, then, and then there's like a million topics that I'm just like dying to, uh, to do. Like, um, I want to write about, like you said, VR. I want to write about music theory. I think it's really interesting. I want to write about, um, about, uh, this concept of, um, of, um, you know, your how like generations used to change very little between, you know, like your great, great grandparents live basically the same life as you do. But now that that's not true, we have all this whole problem. Like wisdom doesn't really, isn't really wise a lot of the time. So I want to write a post about that. I want to write about abortion, eek, but I want to do it. <laughs> I want to write about, um, um, nutrition. I think it's really interesting. Like, uh, just, I think it's such a black box. You hear 10 different things about each. Oh, this is actually good. No, this is bad. No, the key is you do this, cut this out of your diet. And it's, it's just so frustrating because it's so important, but you can't. So I want to try to like, try to get into that. So it, it, I, I, that's a few, there's so many topics that I'm, you know, wish I could be doing right now. You could, you could use AJ Jacobs drop dead healthy as a little bit of a primer, huh? Have you, have you read that? No, I haven't, but I, I love his stuff. What, what is it yeah, called? Yeah, it's called Drop Dead Healthy. And in essence, he went through, I don't know how many times, or he basically took on all these like funny, crazy nutrition things like he does and uh, tried them out and wrote about it. Um, I think it's his newest book, maybe a year or two old. But as a, as a good primer to start, I mean, stuff like going with people who only eat one grape a day, but they meditate over the grape and, you know, they talk about how it's going to taste and imagine it. And that's supposed to satiate you as opposed oh, to actually perfect. eating it. Nothing is better than, than when AJ is, uh, like in hell personally doing something and I, we get, we get to laugh at it. So I, I, I will for sure read that. Yeah. Take a look at that. Also, um, one good thing with it, with the generations thing, I, I would love for you to personally write about that topic so I could just point people there. Cause I keep telling people, we can't talk about generations anymore. You know, five, like my brother, who's seven years younger than me, is not in the same generation as me, and he's not in the same generation as people seven years younger than him. You have to kind of classify as like, what iPhone do you have, right? Like what iPhone do, was was around when you came in high school? And that's that's more or less your generation. And And I, you know, I have this weird thing being born in 1983 of like, I'm definitely not Gen X, but I'm certainly not a millennial. Where do I fit? And I'm, I'm 80, I'm like late 81. So same exact story. Yeah. Well, or uh, Wikipedia calls it the Oregon trail generation. And I thought that's the only term that's ever fit for me. Right. That's <laughs> so funny. Totally. So when you do that, love- try to throw that in there, write a good post. We, and and then we're I- weird because we're weird because we, um, we are the youngest people to remember like the Cold War, basically, to kind of remember the Soviet Union as a thing, to remember, um, and and to remember the, before computers, basically, before you know, um, even even like me being two years older than you, even that, like, where it's a little different, maybe, like maybe I, I I was seven or eight when I first started using a word processor, and you were five or six, and that's pretty different, you know. It's things move so quickly now that like the the that every almost every you know two or three years, people have a kind of a different life experience. Um, but you know, we, 
we, we were like at the cool age when Facebook came out. So we were like the first kind of like young people on social media. Um, but we're also kind of like, uh, old in a lot of ways, like a lot of the people who, you know, are currently using Snapchat or whatever, we're super old to those people. And we are act old about how little we understand some of the current social media. So, but it is, we're, I think we're an interesting kind of like, we're in like in the middle of the two bed of the Venn diagram situation where we kind of like, yeah, just young enough to remember the old world, just, just old enough to, uh, yeah, to, um, kind of like have, have nicked the beginning of the new world. I don't know. Right. And, and so my sister-in-law who is solidly generation X, right? She's six years older than me. She still to this day, not that people six years older than me don't, don't use email, but she still to this day barely uses it. She didn't have it growing up. She doesn't really care. I had to buy her first computer. So she might be a little, you know, on the less tech savvy side than a lot of people, but that still exists. Don't like her six years younger than you, you know? Right, right, right. And then, and yeah, and then you have like people who where who grew up and social media was ubiquitous, right? Where for us, yeah, we were first people on Facebook, but we didn't have, I can't, I don't have any pictures of me in high school that are digital. They're all you know, here's you at prom and there's one prom picture. Whereas my brother, six years younger, seven years younger, has pictures of him in high Total. school on Facebook. The extent of, um, of, uh, computer usage in high school for, for us was like, you know, word processing, you know, like writing papers and maybe, you know, computer games here and there. Yeah. But super was, munchers uh, or number munchers or whatever that like math so game much. Was. So much number munchers. I was obsessed with number. I mean, like I, each of those characters means a lot to me. Yeah. Um, and uh, and like, you know, Super Nintendo and Genesis, that was like, you know, we were that was like kind of our thing when like, you know, um, and then um, and then so but the Internet, not a part of my life. I mean, it was like a little a little bit, but like we weren't emailing with each other. Um, no, so no such thing as social media. So it's like you can, you know, you could kind of Google stuff. Um, although Google was Google didn't exist. You weren't Googling it. You were ask using it. Yeah, I think I think Google. Yeah, Google got rolling like right towards the end of high school. Right. Exactly. You could you could use it for research. Um, and but it wasn't really forwarding around funny links yet. That really started like right as I started to go to college in the year like 2000, 2001. That's when it just started to get rolling. That idea, Um, you know, Craigslist start, you know, a, a lot of the major ideas of the internet started, you know, right around then. So that's like fundamentally different. If your entire formative years, your entire childhood, is not part of your, what you're used to. And then it kind of develops this, this, this world we're now in your twenties, fundamentally different than if you grew up with it, when you're, you're already 13, it's going on, or even when you're five, it's already happening. Um, and I just don't know what that would feel like to, to, uh, I think we're the weird ones. I think it's, it probably feels normal to have always had that or normal to never have had that. And then, but for us, it was like kind of normal now because we were pretty young when it happened. But like, you know, we grew up with it a little, but I don't know. It's a very strange situation. It, it certainly is. I think one of the cool things that you could possibly do in an article or, or, or at least talk to people is we feel that way about our generation or our subset of a couple years, right? We're in between and we're so different. And then I bet if you went and asked someone seven or eight or 10 years younger, the same thing, they'd say, well, I'm in between this and this. Like we don't see it because we're not in their shoes, but they probably see it as, oh, it's weird that I didn't grow up with a smartphone but I had it when I, you know, and, and I'm sure there's like for each generation, they're feeling kind of this in the middle between two generations because it's just happening so quick. I mean, if you, a generation's 
you could boil it down to maybe five years and that's about it. And then you kind of lose contact with the people who are that much older than you or that much younger than you. Yeah. You, you come out of touch and, um, and you know, even right now I'm trying to the post I'm doing now, I'm trying to write about kind of like a lot of, a lot of what I'm writing about has to do with college students right now. And you know, I've written about millennials before. Um, and I think I have a handle on millennials cause I think I'm, I'm like the, I, I'm, I'm, you know, you could consider me like the oldest, you know, one of your, we're kind of like, but we're not, but like you said, we're not really millennials, but like, I know a lot of them. Like I have two sisters, you know, who are both and I worked with many of them and I like know many of them. So, um, that I have a handle on the generation below them. And you, and I really think that people in college now are not millennials. There's something new. I don't know if we know if we have a name yet, but like the people who are currently like 20 or like, you know, whatever, under 25, I think they have their own, a different culture. And I think that, um, it, it, it's, it's never like totally different. It's an extension of millennials, but I think it's like, it's in more extreme in some ways and probably less in other ways. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to write about like, and I think they're really important right now. And I think in general, college students are always really important culturally. They lead, they lead the cultural, you know, they, they lead the rest of us in the end, even if the time, you know, it seems like they're, they're, you know, they're really young or whatever they, they're important. And then they, of course they become the future leaders. So I think it's it's really interesting to study them, and I and I like you said, I think that they're um they're not what you you know people think. Oh, millennials! It's like no, no, no. We're, you don't know what's going on down there. It's different. <laughs> it is, and it doesn't have a name yet. I don't think. Um, one of the things with names of generations, if you ever find this out, let me know why the the term Generation Y kind of just seeded itself to millennials. Like Generation Y did exist at some point. That's what people were calling. Yeah. What, what has become a, the millennial generation. And now it's even when you put it in Wikipedia, man, it, it redirects to millennials. I thought, how did this term just get lost or sucked yeah. away? I wrote a post like in 2013 uh, and I referred to it as Gen Y. And back then that was normal. That's what everyone referred to. Just in the last three years, I can I find, you know, that, that that term is now outdated. It's weird how that happened. I have no idea why that happened. Yeah. <laughs> Me neither. Yeah. All right. We'll get to the bottom of this generation thing, man. Um, I can't wait for you to put a post out. So everything that I'm thinking, I can just be like, here's a link. Head, head to Tim's post. He explains it all. I had a lot of questions for him in the podcast. He answers them all. So yeah, Gen Y is, is dead, man. Again, if you don't have a Wikipedia page, you pretty much don't exist. So. There you go. All right, talking about traveling a little bit. Uh, you did you did a really cool thing. I think it was in 2014, right? Middle of 2014. Um, odd things in odd places. I guess tour. I don't know if we want to call it a tour. Where you reached out to readers and you said, "I want to go to a bunch of different places, experience the culture," and you gave them choices. And you ended up going to Russia, Japan, Nigeria, Iraq, and Greenland. Um, how did that idea come about? And were you a bit nervous because you're in essence you know you're leaving up to readers which i think is awesome and fun but i wasn't the one who had to go and do it then yeah um so i've all you know i've always loved love traveling and i and i i've uh on my old blog one of my favorite things to write about this is not a blog that was widely read or anything was i'd go every time i travel i'd come write about it it was like so fun and i was like all right um why don't I like do that officially on the new blog and, um, and like make it more of a thing where I'm not just traveling for fun and then I'm going to write about it, but I'm like, going to travel for the purpose of writing about it. Um, and I, for me, like I, the, the weirder, the, the country in people's 
in like an American's mind, like usually the more interested I am in traveling to, because it's more mysterious, it's for more sure. exotic. It's, I'm sure, I know you understand. For sure. Um, it's awesome. Yeah. I love seeing people's faces both be confused and maybe terrified because they don't exactly know where it is, but they know that I probably, in their mind, shouldn't be going there. I have a good litmus test, which is the more my dad thinks that there's nothing there, why would anyone go there, the, the, the more interesting it'll be to travel to. So sometimes I'll ask him, you know, you know, you can just, I just, you know, run it by. I'm like, I'm thinking about going here. And the, the worse a reaction he has, the, 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 that, that tells you which one, where I should the go. You know, I'll say, the quicker here. you're booking your plane ticket, right? Right. And, and it can be a combo of either two good signs. One good sign is if he says that's like horribly dangerous, uh, like you'll get killed. You should not, that's a great sign that it's a good place to travel. And another one is, um, if he says, uh, like I said, he says, well, there's nothing there. No one travels there. It was not, you're not going to, why would you go there? That means it's going to be fascinating. It's going to be culturally fascinating. It's going to be a ton of stuff to see. So that, that's what I've learned. Like, like for example, like if I tell him I'm going to, um, you know, Paris, he's going to be thrilled. He's going to say, "Oh, that's great! You know, I've got all these recommendations. You're going to love it." If I tell him I'm going to Kazakhstan, he's going to have he's going to get really, really upset and very, very exasperated with me. And um, and so I'm going to then pick Kazakhstan, you know, or I say I, I want to go to. Um, I don't know, Australia. And he'd be like, oh, you know, I heard Great Barrier Reef and they have, you know, you can go to Sydney and they see the Opera House. And again, it's not that these places aren't great. Like I loved, I, I, I was great traveling to Australia. It's one of my favorite places. But uh, that reaction, his good reaction is kind of does not real, not real information. While on the other hand, if I then say I'm going to go to like Papua New Guinea and he's like, oh, you're going to get killed there. There's nothing to do there. And there's going to be, you know, you're going to get kidnapped. And okay, then, then I know for sure you know, Australia is still an open question because he didn't help me there, but he for sure, but he sh for sure told me that Papua New Guinea would be great. So that that's in general, and and he is of course an example, but it's really like Americans in general, I find, um, and uh, it's it's just a rule that seems to work. So yeah. So anyway, for this trip, I um I I I, I, I decided to go. What it, the the goal was the initial idea was I'm going to go to really different places. And I'm going to do them over a short period of time, like two weeks in each, nothing crazy. Um, and I'm just going to try to like, I think that I was thinking that would help me get like, there's a little like, um, I can get like a little world survey on I, either I can ask the same question to people in each of the five places and see what's in, what's similar and different. Or I can just see the things I see um, in all five places. And what it tells me is if, if something is in all five of those places, uh, it's basically a human thing. It's everywhere. Uh, because those are so dramatically different in socioeconomic, uh, in, in, in whether they're kind of, uh, um, developed or undeveloped, uh, or, you know, developing or whether they are, um, uh, uh, whether they are, you know, religious or not, uh, different continents. So that was really interesting to me. And that was like the premise. And then of course it just turned into just, you know, oh, and another premise I had at the beginning, which I kind of like let go in the middle because it was just not like, it was just a lot of effort and I didn't. You know, I was going to like basically go and do a day in the life of a random person's job. And I did it in Russia and it was really awesome. Actually, uh, I, I, I was the, I was in the, uh, I did the guy in the bear suit, uh, who's in this like tourist street. And I basically, he was in this, you know, this Uzbek guy uh, who's from, uh, you know, who's, who's, you know, moved there a few years ago and he's, he's making ends meet with the bear suit. And so I basically was like, look, can I, you know, do your job for the day. You'll, you'll get all the, the money still. I just want to, can I just like basically do your work? And he was like, yeah, sure. If you want to. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So I'll be at the bar while you're in the bear suit. You're like, all right, yeah, cool. exactly. Um, and 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 I did it. I did it in all of the places to an extent, but I did it really fully with him. Like I had breakfast with him all the way to like I like basically dropped him off at home. And that was we basically did like I did his entire life, which is just so incredibly um, interesting. I mean, it's like and I, I that I think is a whole. I do think that's a good concept for another time to really do it right to really try to like experience the full day in the life of, um, of, of a person really different from beginning to end. Uh, I think it's just both really fun and interesting and, and also really illuminating. Put it know? on the list, man, put it on the list. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I do know two people have done similar things, uh, not exactly, but have been on the podcast. Sean Aiken did uh 50, 52 week, job or something like that where every week he it was in the u.s and canada but every week he went around and spent a week doing a job which was fascinating anyone who would have him and then um so interesting another guy named turner bar did around the world in 80 jobs so he similar type of concept where he went around the world and he I just picked random jobs and just did them for I, I don't know how long i don't think it was a set time but yeah there's something really valuable about a writer in particular doing that because I, I think I, I would, I, I don't, you don't know really about, I don't even know what my friends do at work. You know, you don't really, and to really have a writer do it, who can say like, who's a, who's an outsider, just like you, who can, from an outsider's perspective, see the inside and tell about what actually goes on. I think that is, we need more of that. I think that's like a great genre of writing or documentary or whatever it is. So, um, I, I yeah, I would love to do, I, I want to do more things like that. I think there's a lot of travel, um, writing, that I have not done yet that I think would be great. Um, for, so for this series, I said, I, I gave readers some choice, but I didn't want them either to put me places where I'd either like been a bunch of times and I knew about, or um, five places that were more similar to each other. So I basically gave 15 countries. There was five questions. Each one had three countries from like a certain region okay. and they could choose one. Um, and they usually went with like the weirdest one, right. which I was kind of happy they did, you know, sure. but like I did like, you know, Norway, Iceland, Greenland, <laughs> and of course Greenland won that, you know, by a lot, even though, you know, there's a lot to see in those other countries. I think people are like, we'll send this dude to Greenland because it's not our problem. And it's funny that he has, you know, he's going to go up to Greenland. And then I would do like, um, I think I did, uh, it was a close, so one was I did uh, Iraq, like you said, uh, and then, um, uh, I don't know what the second country was, and the, but the third country was um, Pakistan, and that got very close to winning. Those were like neck and neck. So neck and neck. So I'm, I'm watching the surveys come in. I'm like, you know, it's still going. And I'm like, I still don't know which of those two countries I'm going to. Uh, and uh, and then and then like you know, yeah, it was like Nigeria, Ghana, and Cameroon, something like that. Um, so uh, it was it was really you know interesting watching other people. My fate was very much in, not in my hands. Um, but again, I was pumped about their choices. I was dying to go to all five of those countries. I'd never been to any of those five countries. Um, and uh, yeah, it was incredibly interesting and fun. The, the, the one thing that was hard was, you know, I, I don't write quickly and I had to write as I went. I wasn't going to come back after I was going to want to write when it was fresh. So the first week of the two in a lot of these countries, I was kind of writing. So I got from, really you were writing from the past one or you're writing for that for past, that one. Yeah, the past one, yeah. past one. And I say, OK, like, what just happened? Like, <laughs> let's do a post on it, you know, including the drawings and re revising and, you know, research. I do a lot of research on the history and then post it and promote it and all of that. You know, I'll do that while in the new country. So next time I would like to give myself like a week just for that and then move to the new country. And I didn't really have that. I didn't give myself that time. Did you? So did you go to all the countries 
back to back to back. So you like went from Russia to Japan or did you? Oh, come- yeah. Okay. So you it oh, was yeah. continuous 10 week from Russia to Japan, Japan to Nigeria, Nigeria right. direct. Okay. And the weirdest and there were a lot of very strange transitions. The yeah, strange I was going to say those are some fun flight routes, right? The, the strangest transition you can do is Tokyo to Lagos, Nigeria. Um, just you cannot believe this is the same planet. Um, I mean, it's just just fundamentally just a different vibe. I mean, really, really. And not to mention all just like the the differences in, you know, you go from like one of the most developed, probably the most developed place in the world to one that's very much developing. Um, so that's always going to be jarring. But also going from like East Asia, to, you know, sub-Saharan Africa, really different. And just in general, like, I was so used to Japan, you know, um, and everyone's very, very cordial, super cordial, but like, you know, it's a little distant too. And I get to Nigeria and I meet up with, um, someone who was going to be driving me, who ended up being my like BFF for the week. And I ended up hanging out with his whole family. I spent the whole week, you know, basically in his life with his family, which is so, so, so interesting. Um, but just right away, there's just big hugs. There's like big laughs and uh, big laughs. And I'm like, okay, this is like just so, and I have to like try to adjust to not, you know, it's like the taboos I'm going to, you know, violate one place are now completely different here. So, uh, I mean, and then, and then I went from there to like the middle East, you know, to Kurdish Iraq, very different situation. So, um, that was so interesting to me just to like, it helped, it really helped to actually like highlight the things that were, it, it, the, the traits of one country to just be writing it from a completely different place. It was actually an interesting way to do it in that way. Yeah, what were the common, because you said one of the goals was the common theme that would emerge or that you would hope would emerge between five completely different cultures, countries, uh, socioeconomic statuses, all that. What were the common themes or theme that did emerge? You said this is a human trait because I saw this exact same thing or, or similar things in all five of these countries. Yep. So graffiti. And and it looks kind of similar. Like there's a worldwide graffiti culture and it's everywhere. I mean, it's all five of those places. Uh, soccer. Huge in all five of those places, you know, and just, you know, you don't even think of soccer in Japan, but like soccer is huge everywhere. Every single country in the world is like cares about soccer. Um, Eminem, I saw either heard him playing or saw like a CD on someone's shelf. That dude was in all five of those places. He is widespread. Um, uh, uh, there were a few on, more. On that I mean, note, isn't it fun to travel and see what is popular? And so when I lived in Japan for two years, same thing. I mean, they were like pop art, like Avril Lavigne was the biggest name in Japan. This was 2010 to 2012. The biggest name in Japan, I thought... This was like 1994, and she was never the biggest name in the U.S. She was just no, a pop random. star. And everyone would ask me, do you like Avril Lavigne? Like, oh, I, so I never funny. really thought of whether I liked her or not. She was just there. They love Avril Lavigne, man. I, it's, it's fun to see those things pop up in different that. cultures, right? Totally. Yeah. It, just to, uh, yeah, to see stuff in your culture that is big somewhere else is uh, I, I, I think it's it's fascinating. And and also to see stuff that's totally not in your culture, that's huge somewhere. Um, you know, I just it's just so interesting as well. I mean, it's just like you just it's just very foreign to you. 
Um, well, I'm looking up. I'm trying to find where I wrote the other things. I think there were a few more. So, so Avril uh, Lavigne, not big in every other country other than Japan, though, just to make this clear. I, I did not notice that one. So the other thing I did um, that was like a comparison thing, I asked the same question to like at least 50 people in each of the five countries, which was, what would you wish for? If you had a genie, your three, you know, the, 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 the Aladdin scenario, you know, what would your three wishes be? And I think that's an interesting question because it's just like, what do people yearn for here? You know, so it was completely fascinating. Uh, and I actually made a video then of, of, uh, the, so then I, the things that were in common, because there are a lot of things that were different. Um, but the things that I heard a lot in a lot of different, at least three of the five countries, I, I, I ended up, I put it in the video. It's like a montage, basically, of, of the whole thing. Um, and I found it to be a really touching like, video to make and just a touching process because it's something is extremely emotional about when you, when you realize that the whole, all of humans yearn for this thing. Um, so, and, and especially when it's just, you know, you realize in America how much we have. So many people yearn for just things that everyone I know has. Like a big one was a house. People just, you know, people all around the world, they dream of having, you know, having a house. And I just feel like, um, you know, that, that, that was really amazing to me. You know, people wish, of, wish for education. They just, you know, in Nigeria, I mean, every single person, basically, the first answer is I want to be educated. Um, that's fascinating. Uh, a really interesting thing is what no one really in Russia or Japan wished for or, or Greenland, but, but, um, but a lot of people in Nigeria and every single person in Iraq, basically peace. And you, you're reminded that if you don't have peace, suddenly nothing matters. I mean, if you don't have peace, that is what you want more than anything. And again, if you appreciate it, mean, this was like the, this was like the Tim's appreciates his own life tour in that regard. Cause I'm like, God, like just, you know, I have so many things that an American takes for granted. They have a house, they have an education, they have steady income, they have peace, they have security, you know, they have a, a, a stable government. I mean, this is like the, a dream in other places. So that was really amazing. And then just, you know, and then some of the differences uh, were funny, you know, where, where they wished for money and where they didn't or where um, they where there were, where it had to do with religion and where it didn't. And, uh, but, but again, I found, I, again, so especially since I was expecting it to be like the kind of things that like idiot seven-year-old Tim would do, be like, Oh, I want to be able to fly. And then I want to like live forever. And then I want to be able to like, X-ray vision. Yeah. And go invisible. Like that's exactly where my mind turns because I'm a privileged American who has all the things that you have to be all the important things. And then now I can sit and think that. And I was like very shocked at how few people like had fun with the question and did that kind of thing. Cause they were like, you know, what, what would I actually wish for? Which was great. It was much more interesting that they actually, so, um, that was really fun and really interesting to do. It was a little grueling. You have to approach a bunch of people with your camera and ask if you ask questions and it's you're just annoying, but it was, to me, it was worth it to get all that to get all the, the, those answers. Yeah, I mean, I think that just speaks to the fact that we have the the privilege and the luxury to wish for these goofy things. I mean, probably all of them would like to fly, but would they say that? No, because it's like, they're they're like, it's reality. All right, let's eat, let's survive, let's have peace, let's make sure we're safe. I, I don't have time to deal with these things that will never happen. I mean, just the fact that they're answering your question, right? You, you know, you could wish for a billion dollars, which would solve Sometimes I'd think, wow, if you just wish for a billion dollars in your first wish, you could have gotten all three of those wishes just with that one, you know, and because that, that's a lot, you know, where my head goes. But again, I just don't think they're approaching the question 
in like a completely practical way. They were actually answering what they yearn for, which again, turned out to be far more interesting um, and sometimes heartbreaking to me. So um, yeah, I, 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 that, that was, you know, you know, you never know how these, how these ideas you have in your living room in, in the U S are going to turn out. That one turned out well, especially since even though you are being annoying, you end up meeting a ton of people and it's just a great way to end up because it, it turns into a seven minute conversation afterwards, sometimes a 20 minute conversation afterwards. Um, and, uh, and it's just an awesome way to just, it's like an excuse to, to strike up conversations with, uh, with, with people who live there who otherwise you just often travel places and you don't end up talking to people unless you're really outgoing. It was, it was like, it forced me to be outgoing on those days when I was with my camera. Yeah. I really hope that you did give them the genie hack though and told them afterwards, Hey, if you do see a genie, just do a billion dollars and you'll be sad. And then you got two more fun wishes. wishes. Start (laughs) Start with that. All, every American kid has thought about this question for an infinitely long amount of time. Um, so we've come up with the idea that you should ask more and more wishes and go from there. Um, do you have any plans on doing another one of these in the future? Or or is that something, all right, I did it once. I, I, maybe I'm going to transition and do something else with travel. No, even having this conversation right now is making me like really, really want to do another. And I don't, I won't do it exactly the same way. I learned a lot from that first one. I think it was one of those that was like in no man's lane, a little between like there's a gimmick kind of, uh, but also it's kind of just like open-ended. And I think I, I, I want to, you know, go one way or the other. Or I'm just, you know, either I'm just going to go somewhere and write about it or I'm going to do something more like what you're talking about with your friends. You know, I'm going to live a day in the life of, you know, like what I had kind of planned. I'm going to, you know, I think I want to be in one of those or the other. And then I want to give myself more time to write in between. Um, and uh, and then I'll figure it out. But I think I think there's um, there's uh, there's definitely another one of these to do for sure. Awesome. Where did the desire to travel come from? Because you mentioned your dad who, you know, go to Australia, go to Paris, where... By the way, did... Australia is too generous. I don't think he, I think he thinks Australia is some foreign scary land. Right. Too, so. Okay. So Paris safe, maybe, maybe like Denver, Colorado is cool or San Diego, everything above that. Um, so where did this idea or, de- or decision to make travel a big part of your life and to go to these places that are off the beaten path come from? Was that something that you knew you wanted to do in high school? Did you start doing it then? Or was there this aha moment of, I'm just going to take this first trip and that that got you hooked? So I was yearning about, I was looking at the globe and yearning from the age of like five. And to me, and I still am like this, you know, I, other people, I talked to a friend who doesn't want to go to India, right? This is Andrew, Wait for White co-founder. Uh, he just like, you know, he just doesn't, um, certain places he's just not interested in. Right. And I'm like dying to go to India and I'm actually saving it for when I can go for like a full month. And I think part of the difference is he pictures like a street and, you know, just like a, a kind of like a, he just pictures like a, a concrete thing that's actually probably there. And he's just kind of, and I'm picturing like a magical land that's probably hasn't actually this hasn't looked like this or been like this in a thousand years. You know, I picture China, for example. I'm not picturing like smoggy Beijing streets. I'm picturing like the mountains, those beautiful mountains and like a little tea house somewhere on the thing. And so I just have such a um, probably like a naively uh, childlike, oversimplistic, over romantic view of everywhere that I haven't been. Um, I like, I like never picture cars or like sidewalks anywhere. Doesn't matter. <laughs> and I'm going to England and England. I'm picturing like, you know, 
only like Big Ben and like Buckingham Palace and like, you know, or Ireland, I'm picturing rolling fields. Like I'm not picturing like a Dublin pub as much, you know? And so, so that's, I don't, and again, I don't know if that I'm complimenting myself here. I'm a little bit like of a baby about the way I, I do it, but I, um, but I think that part of it is there's something good about it. Cause it's just like, there's the, 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 uh, the complete, um, just like pure, like, it's a yearning the only word I can use. Like really you get the travel bug where you're just like, it feels like you're going to a, a, just a foreign land of adventure, I think is part of what has always fueled the travel bug for me. Um, and then I never, part of what I think helped actually is I'd never been out of the country until I was 13. And I only went then because my mom's friend's family is from the Bahamas. We went and like stayed with them. Um, and then I didn't only think I left the country again until I was 17. Um, so, I spent the, the, my whole childhood just like looking at the globe and like wishing I could be in these places. And so then finally, um, when I was 19, the summer after sophomore year of college, I decided to take a, um, a trip to, uh, Thailand alone. And it, and I decided in a, you know, amateur travel error, I've made the first three or four trips where I would go to like four countries in like 11 days. Cause I would be so, I, I was like, I can't go to Thailand and know that China, which to me was like the 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 epic like adventure. I mean, China to me was like I would when I was young. It was like you dig in the beach and you dig far enough you'll hit China. It was like the I was like I can't it can't be as close to me as like New Hampshire is right now. And I'm not. It's only go. four inches away on the map, man. It's yeah. right there. So I like did this insane 17 day trip where I went to Thailand for nine days and then I flew to Hong Kong. My flight home was out of Hong Kong. And then I changed the flight home to be out of Beijing and took a 36 hour uh, train ride up to Beijing for three days in Beijing. Cause I was like, again, I, cause I got to Hong Kong and I was like, this is cool. But what's really China is like the Imperial palace and like that picture of Mao. And I'm like, imagine that I could be there. I could be there. I like, I, I was passing the train station. I see it. It's like, and I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm going, I'm not going to like it. I normally, this is not accessible to me and it is right now. So I did that trip and I was just completely hooked. So then basically every year since then, I've gone to at least two new countries, uh, maybe with the last two years as an, well, no, even, yeah, really the last year is an exception because I've uh, just been kind of embroiled in work. But, um, but basically I tried to have a, at least two new countries a year and which, which, you know, that's, that's manageable. It really is two countries and, um, it adds up. So, you know, n- now it's 15 years later. Um, and you know, that's at least 30 countries more because of that. And I probably have actually done more like 60 in those, um, 15 years. But, um, I think the two country rule is good. If you just do that, you will die an extraordinarily well-traveled person. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can tell you having been to India that both your and Andrew's ideas are completely, uh, true. And And we always say this about India. I say like, it's the best country in the world when you're up above it. And by that, I mean like you're on the third floor roof deck of some really cool palace or apartment or you're up in the castles on the mountains overlooking the town. It's awesome. It is magical. And then you get down on the street level and you're literally stepping in and you're, there's... you're just in the in general. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and so I, I, I'm, I'm okay with that. Like I, yeah. I'm excited for all parts of India and I know that they'll be, they'll be, it's not going to, you know, a lot of times people, you have to just understand that like some travel really recreational is not the word. You know, like you're, you're kind of in this, like it's not easy and it's not, you're not really like, it's not pleasant. It's definitely not a vacation. Um, 
but it's just something else as another adjective. That's a really positive one that I don't know what the adjective is, but it's, it's, there's something really positive, even though it's not traditionally like, you know, fun or whatever. Right. And people, I guess you could say it's, it's a, it's a growing experience or a learning experience. And those aren't the best adjectives or words to use either, but that's what it is. And I remember going to India was the first time I'd ever had culture shock. It's like, Oh, we've been around the world. We're good. Land in India. Three days, we didn't want to leave the apartment. I mean, it was rainy season. It was, and we were in Mumbai, uh, so not where I would suggest someone go. Uh, go to Rajasthan, where it's essentially like being in the Aladdin movie, um, and and that's great. But it is. It's this idea that all right, it might not be the most fun or relaxing trip, but there's a lot here that I I just. I felt the same way as you in China. Like, I have to dig in. I have to see this for myself. I have to understand this because it's just a huge part of the world that I've dreamed about and thought about forever that if I don't go, I'm going to – I'm not going to even be able to relate to anything when yeah. this gets talked about or well, in movies. just get creative. You know, if you just um, – if you just – Google around even before you go, you'll find all these gems, all these things to do, all these amazing little experiences you can do. You know, you'll find some cooking class in Mumbai by this woman who is just amazing at cooking Indian food and does this great class in her home. And it'll be like the coolest thing, you you know, and then you can have 10 things like that. And, you know, and I just feel like there, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot you can. I don't know. I just think uh, a little creativity can go a long way uh, in, in really any country, but especially somewhere like India. I feel like there's just, you know. There's endless amazing experiences to be had if you just know how to find them. Right. And I think a little planning goes a long way in certain countries, whether it be China, India, those those countries that are going you know are going to be tougher traveling. They just are. I mean, they're gonna be more difficult because of cultural differences, because maybe it's a developing country and not a developed country. A little bit, which I don't like to do a ton of planning, but a little bit of planning does go a long way to to give yourself some added comfort that you might not have had if you say, I'm just gonna land here and do whatever I want. Sometimes there's a balance um, yeah. with that, for sure. Yeah, exactly. Are there any places that you – I mean, I know there's a lot of places. What are some of the places that you'd like to travel to the most now with your two-country rules? So if you're like, all right, I could I could pick up right now and go wherever I wanted, what are a few of those places that you're like, I just – I'm dying to get here? A lot. I mean, it's amazing how – given that I've traveled a lot, it's amazing how I feel like there's 50 countries I'm dying to go to. But – um. South Korea, Ethiopia, South Africa. Uh, I'd love to, I really want to do the whole, you know, safari land, Tanzania, Mozambique, Kenya. Um, let's see. Uh, dying to go to Eastern Europe, all different countries. I, you know, I really want to go up to like the Baltic states. Um, I think, I think those would just be fascinating. Uh, I mentioned Papua New Guinea. It's high on my list. Your dad wouldn't approve. So. And just sold me on it hugely. And then, of course, India. Um, you know, you know I, I, basically, it's, it's, it's any country I have not been to is on the list, honestly. And it's not, I'm not just saying that like in an annoying way. Like I, I really um, genuinely like every single country that I haven't been to, I'm like dying to go to because it's just a, a new country. Is it's, it's like the way I think about it is, it's like we're all biological humans, right? And we're all living in this world. And beyond that, it's like you have, it's all, each one of these is a different experiment in how to do it. So it's like you, you get to see how different people, for a while we were all isolated from each other, right? So it's like, how did you 
to figure out how to do life. You know, that's why their music is interesting because it's like, how did you figure out how to do music and food and spirituality and comedy and marriage and friendship and every everything else? Like, you know, the, what what are the restaurants like here? Because that's how you guys decided. It's and you know, it's each of them has a hedonism in their own way. Like, how do you how do you like get you know what what, what do you why do you how do you taste the good life? You know, like I remember you know just being in Brazil and they had these little tiny shots of like super sweet thick, soupy black coffee, and you like sip them on like the edge of the water. And I'm just like, that's an awesome hedonistic activity that like is what you guys came up with, you know, while like people I know were coming up with something different. So to me, it's just like any new country, I want to go and be like, what, how, you know, how, how, how do you guys, how do you guys, you know, do this life as a biological human in this particular world, you know? So, and then of course, you know, part of it is they, there are differences in the world itself there. So different crops, different climates, um, different histories with, with war and everything like that. So those are some things that are fundamentally also different that they were having to figure out. So I don't know. I just, uh, I love it for that reason. People just like also who don't travel that much, they group things together. They assume, Oh, you go to one South sub-Saharan African country. You know, you might as well, but that's just completely not true. Each individual, one of those countries and granted the country itself is a little bit formed by like artificial means. But the point is, going to another country is just also going to a different region with different language, with different customs. And so, um, yeah. It's like saying, oh, if someone, imagine someone saying, oh, I'm just going to go to North America. I mean, the U.S. and Mexico, I, I, basically the same. Well, I'll just visit, right. I'll visit New York and uh, that's right. probably the same as Mexico City, right? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're in the same the area. US, like, been to New York, so I've been to the U.S. It's like, right. well, <laughs> you yeah. know, it's like, and, and again, and, and, and the truth is, like, I think that even another mistake is just assuming you've been to a country, so you've been to the country. Not true at all. As again, as everyone can from their own country can point out that that's not true. So it doesn't apply to other countries either. Like I went to one part of Nigeria, but there's a whole other part I haven't been to. Many parts I haven't been to. I've, you know, the Yoruba, Yoruba part is where I was. That's one of the three ethnic groups. Different customs. It's, it's essentially three different countries there. Um, that because there's not a border that England drew in the 60s. Uh, I'm assuming I've now been to all three. That makes no sense. India is a perfect example. If, if India were divided into 50 countries like Africa, right? Uh, you'd think of, oh, you know, you'd have to go to, uh, you, it, it should be, it could easily, the number of people and the size, it could be a continent. Um, and you would then say I have to take 50 trips to like, you know, if I want to, or to you know, at least whatever we're divided into five countries. But because it's this one thing, well, then I have to go to Bangladesh and India. Huh? Like Bangladesh is just what they happen to wall that one off with a border. Like, you know, so that's one region that you're, you're, you're making special because someone drew a border there. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I have a scratch off map and I refuse to scratch off the whole country because same exact thing. I've been to one part of China, a few parts of China. I have not been to the whole mass. And uh, I eventually gave up scratching off because I couldn't like scratch off stuff too small. But hey. Yeah. Looking, but looking at a scratch off map when you just all of Russia gets blocked off <laughs> is it in Moscow for two days is not interesting. What's interesting is, uh, is, 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 is like, you know, blocking off a little tiny circle where Moscow is. And if you went farther, like, and then you can look and be like, actually, here's where I've been, you know? And, and I think that that's, it's a very good idea. All of our friends come over like, we thought you traveled a lot, man. This looks like it's a barely <laughs> fill out. I'm like, well, A, I gave up because you can't see where it is like under the foil. So I'd scratch off one part, be like, oh, that's not Moscow. It's like five inches to the left. Whoops. 
Regardless, someone has to make a scratch off map that you can see above it so you know what you're scratching off. But yeah. I, I get your point exactly. It's, it's You could even take it one step further and say, you know, if you're going to say you've been to the whole country because you went to Moscow, why not say you're the whole continent? Right. So now, oh, I've actually been everywhere except for Antarctica. I've, tried the whole, <laughs> I've conquered the whole world. That's that's not that different. So, yeah. That is not that different. Speaking of places you've been really quickly, are there ones that – because I love going to new places as well. I love dropping in and like your senses are so alive because you – don't know anything. You literally don't know what it's going to look like. I purposely don't go on Google Earth and check stuff out or even want to look at pictures because I just want to be there. But are there places that you've been that you say, all right, I would definitely go back here for sure, even if it's not new, but this is a place that I just really loved? Um, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, uh, again, I would say a lot. Like Japan, I'm like, I barely scratched the surface there. I, I was planning to go all around. And then I got there and was like, nope, I'm spending 14 days wandering around Tokyo. And I'm just going to try to absorb what's going on in this insane place. I'm not even going to get to Osaka, Kyoto, the north, the, the countryside. Um, so I you know, need to get back there you know, ASAP. Um, um, I've actually been to Brazil a decent amount. I did two long trips. No, long for me is three weeks. But I did two long trips there. Um, one, you know, that, down the Amazon, one in Rio, and then up to like uh, more of the uh, Salvador area. Um, and I just feel like there's so much more there. I just need to like, so, I mean, I really want to get back there again. Mexico, Mexico isn't, you know, if Mexico were in the other, uh, the other side of the world, Americans would see it as one of like the most fascinating travel destinations. And just because we know a lot of Mexican people and we, we, you know, it's right there. It just, it seems less exotic, but it's an incredibly interesting country. Um, there's so much weird history there. There's so many, um, geogra- you know, actual, um, you know, nature sites to see. Um, I, I really want to go back to Iraq once it's safer and not just go to the Kurdish part, but the whole thing, because just the history, this is Mesopotamia. I mean, it is, it is the historically the single most interesting place in the world, maybe tied with Egypt. If you want to go way back in terms as far as like human history and, um, uh, you know, Baghdad has, I mean, I, I, some of these museums have unfortunately been raided and destroyed. It's incredibly heartbreaking, but some of them are still intact. I think, I know that they did a good job of hiding a lot of the, the, uh, important things, um, you know, in case ISIS can get a hold of Iraq, but, um, I mean, get a hold of uh, Baghdad, but, um, the, uh, again, just so you can't think of a cooler museum than like, you know, what they must have in Baghdad. So there's a lot of places, but you know, I, I, yeah, I want to, of course. Um, yeah, one of the I- interesting things that we like to ask people as they come on, so I can't let you go without asking you about your biggest travel mishap. Obviously, you've been to a lot of places that many people haven't been, Iraq, Greenland, uh, North Korea. We didn't even, I, I originally thought when you came on, I, I wanted to talk all about North Korea. We didn't even touch on that. So maybe next time we'll touch on North Korea. But what is one of your biggest travel mishaps that you've had? You know, looking back on it, it's probably a funny story now. Then maybe it was funny or maybe it was like, uh oh, I've got myself in a little bit of a jam here. Um, I, I this is like super hard because I, I probably have ten things that I would have been like, this is you have really botched this one. Like you have really made a series of decisions that have led you to a bad situation. Uh, one that jumps out is I went to uh, I don't even know how to pr- Kyrgyzstan. I think is how you're supposed to pronounce it. People here will probably just say Kyrgyzstan. Um. And, uh, it's like such an off the map country that most Americans do not know it exists. I, it's not data approved. I assume 
It's what? It's not dad approved, I assume. Oh, they, 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 quite the opposite. Actually, that, that one might cross over into he literally doesn't know it exists. Right. So it's like it's a um, – and um, uh, by the way, the, the, the even better than him was uh, his father. He was a gem because I could go to Colorado and he'd be like, oh, why are you going to a terrible place like that? I mean, you know, there's just <laughs> – anyway, um, so uh, I would say I was in Kyrgyzstan and I went to a um, – one of these like Alpine lakes where they have yurts. Um, and they have one of these where, you know, I, I it was recommended that, you know, if you go and you kind of talk to them, like that one of the things they do is they'll take a tourist in and, you know, you'll pay them a little and they'll kind of let you kind of like live there with them um, and help out and whatever. And so obviously that's an amazing thing to do. So I, I went there and um, super friendly people, zero English. I mean, 0. 0.0. And I had a few phrases I could say in their language. It was very, very language barrier-y. Um, and, uh, and, but these people are living like it's the 1100s in every single way. I mean, I, I kept thinking, is there anything that I, that's not, that couldn't be the 1100s here? That, and I was like, no, there's not you know, any sign of electricity. Um, they are hurting and they're living in, and I even did some research where you know, the, the yurts they're living in are made from similar materials as they were thousands of years ago. There's no like metal involved or anything like that, um, that, that they wouldn't, you know, have had access to then. Um, and they're herding animals that they had then, and they're taking them to the market, uh, uh, to sell, uh, nearby. Maybe, maybe the experience of going to the market's different, but, but, but the life there was very, so that to me is just so interesting. Um, and because it's, because it's really is seeing the 1100 because, this is based on what they were doing then. And just a lot of those traditions for the, for their life work and there's no need to change them. Um, I stayed there for three days. Um, and just one day I walked out with like the father and with all of his sheep and he just goes out there. Cause the first day I just saw him way, way out there on the mountain, just out there. What is he doing? You know, what's he actually doing right now? What are the sheep doing? So I went out there the next day. Um, and sheep are really unpleasant. They're not pleasant people. Um, and so they, they were, they're just the noises they make and they're just kind of like, but, um, but the guy's just kind of like on his horse and he just kind of sits there and he had a real system, which is really interesting. And I just was watching that. So anyway, and then the other day I was just kind of hanging out and watching the mother just dismantle a sheep. Uh, she had the hide laid out here for one thing. She had the head on a stick. It's like a gourmet thing to put over a fire for another thing. She had all these different organs out for other things. I mean, that was fascinating. Um, but the mishap happened when I decided to say yes to everything, including drinking, uh, a glass of what they call Kymys, Kymys, K-Y-M-Y-S, which is fermented mare's milk, but really fermented. Like, you know, that's been milk sitting out in the sun intentionally for a while. Some, would, some the, would say spoiled, I guess. Like horribly spoiled. <laughs> exactly. And if, I think if your body's used to it, you can handle it, and then it just gets you kind of drunk. Uh, I and it wasn't just I wasn't just like nauseous and threw up. Like I, at first I drank it, and it was horrific tasting. But then I finished it, and there was like chunks in it, and I was you know trying not to gag as I'm drinking it, but I do. Oh, I'm gagging just thinking about this. So then then you know then there's this they do a Sunday horse race. Uh, they had like you know there's just, like seven guys and their horses, and they they're doing it. so I was just watching that, and suddenly I'm like uh, something is not okay here and like I was and I realized I was like my throat is kind of closing up and I've big weird hives all over it was not a normal reaction to anything you know and I was like itchy neck and I was just like this is this is and I, I just hit me I was like I might just like die here and what are they gonna do they're, just, they're like 
they shrug. They're like, the dude, the dude died, I guess. And they roll me into the river. And that's the end of me. You're on into the into the lake. And, no more wait, but why? No more wait, but why? Told anyone, anyone where I am. I was alone. No one knows. I'm not even sure people know what country I'm in, let alone like that I'm here. So I am just going to be a missing person. I'm not going to be a dead person. I'm going to be a missing person for a long time. And I was just like, this is, this is, you know. Um, so I still never vomited, but I eventually kind of got over it. I went and like laid down for a while. And uh, that one, just because I was like, this is, I have no way to get help right now. I can't even tell them what's going on. So, yeah. There you go. So, so maybe Kyrgyzstan, not on the top of your list to go back to. Right. Maybe no, highly on the top. All right. Well, you want to this not on the top of my list of update. I actually had it again, but I had a much safer version, which was like in a carton. Uh, you know, this was like the keep it real like version out in the yurts, you know. So, um, yeah, no, I, I uh, especially I want to go back because they uh, there's still parts of Kyrgyzstan in really rural areas where you they, they play these this game where you're playing polo. But instead of a ball, you have a torso of a sheep. Um, and you're tossing back and forth, goat, uh, you're tossing back and forth. Um, I want to watch that. And I think there's some places where you still kidnap your wife. Uh, I want to see someone, I want to like go on a raid and kidnap someone's wife with them. So, um, you know, and not like in a ha ha way, like in like, in like her family's extremely upset that that just happened way. Like she's gone now. So yeah, there's a lot to see there still. Plus there's just a lot of scenery I didn't get to. Awesome. Well, some good yeah. articles right there. Um, between, oh, yeah. between going Every- back and playing a game that uh, not one of the common themes among the five countries that you went to the uh, torso polo right but soccer, a little more precisely exactly (laughs) they're not doing that in japan that much (laughs) so tim what do you have coming up in the pipeline i mean we talked about a lot of stuff but what do you have coming up in the pipeline with wait but why either big picture stuff or even articles that you're coming out that you're excited about um yeah i'm working on a huge article right now that uh that will should be coming out in the next I don't know. I'm not going to even pretend to have a prediction. <laughs> Remember, no deadlines, no deadlines, no deadlines. But um, you know, it's on. It's on a lot of like less fun topics, like politics and free speech and all that. Then I'm going to write about virtual reality, um, and I'm going to work on a book next year, and I might start a podcast as well. So, a lot of things, but uh, keeping busy. Awesome. Well, yeah, we can help you with starting a podcast. We'll transition yeah, people from ours over to yours. So we'll say, hey, guys, you want that's the one thing that I get. You know, you were talking about emails that you get when blog posts haven't come out. You know, we're pretty consistent with one a week with a podcast, but we get people who say, you know, I've got an hour long commute every every day to work. So I ripped through all 260 episodes in, you know, however long it was, in like four weeks. When are you going to put out new stuff? I'm like, I'm trying, man, you know, so um, I appreciate it. I'm glad people ripped through them, but they might need some other stuff to listen to. So we'll help you out with that. I appreciate that. Thank you. Awesome. Well, Tim, thanks so much for joining me today. Uh, Your website has contributed endlessly to my knowledge about subjects. I really didn't know much about it. Also endlessly to my procrastination cycle, and I'm trying to put something off. So double win on that. Uh, Remind people one more time how they can come get a hold of you. Yeah, it's just... uh waitbutwhy.com um and uh i always recommend people subscribe to the email list because that's usually the best way to keep up with us so yeah i will say with a caveat you will fall down that seven hour vortex so so be prepared going wait for why every article even today when i was going through some of the older articles and picking out some of my favorites which uh, i didn't mention but i love the one that you did on the uh, 10 absurdly famous people you probably didn't know enough about (laughs) because (laughs) when i'm reading that i'm like He's right. Like, this is a person whose name I've heard, but what did they actually do? So, um, 
you you will fall down that rabbit hole of, of those uh, of those posts, but hopefully you get a lot of a lot of new readers coming through there. Check that out, waitbutwhy.com. guys. You can everything we've talked about today, including all the posts I talked about and we referenced, we'll put in the show notes. You can get that at extrapackofpeanuts.com slash pods p o d s. Don't forget too, if you're traveling, if you're only bringing a carry on, check out tortugabackpacks.com. Use the code epop, all capital letters. I'll get you ten percent off. Uh, thanks again for those guys for sponsoring it. And Tim, thanks again for coming on. It was awesome. After two years, I think we got enough uh, talking in here for hopefully not another two years, but um, we, 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 we made up for lost time, right? Awesome. Yeah. Thanks so much. Awesome, guys. Thank you for tuning in today for the continued support, as always, that to this day makes us the number one rated travel podcast on iTunes. We appreciate it. And until next time, happy free travels. I'll show you Paris soon.